Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. In just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about leadership skills, the skills you need to be an effective leader. But before I do, I want to remind everyone uh, that on October 4th, I will be at a great church in Canton, Ohio, a dear friend of mine, Mike Caminetti's, and we will be doing a roundtable. In this roundtable, I will talk about the 12 practices every pastor has to integrate into their life. I will be talking about what to do when ministry hits critical mass. And then on top of that, I will be talking about the one question I get asked, regardless of church size, regardless of location, and I will be navigating you through the answer to that question. Uh, I want to encourage you that you can go to my webpage and you can sign up. Plus, uh, I want to remind everyone that on October 20th and 21st, um, the North Texas Leadership Conference will be taking place, and that conference is going to be gold. I can tell you already the content that uh, we've written will be outstanding. I'm going to do a lesson that will involve what are the things that COVID showed the church that the church does that will never work again. Uh, I think this will help so many pastors in understanding where their church is. And so uh, we have limited registration. You can go to my webpage, but I'll tell you, being in the room is going to be a great opportunity. And so I want to encourage you to uh, make plans to be there. Today, I want to talk to you about leadership skills. What is the base skill set that a leader needs to be able to navigate leadership in the day in which we live? But the ironic thing is, is that skills haven't changed from 2,000 years ago to today. They are the base skills. Now, uh, the illustration I'm about to use shows that you can find leadership everywhere. I got this thought literally from thinking back when I used to sit down with my son and my daughters when we would watch uh, movies together when they were teenagers. And there was a movie uh, called Nacho Libre. And those of you that have seen it, you know that it is not a mentally challenging movie. But when you have teenagers, you do whatever you can to connect. But in this movie, Nacho Libre would repeatedly say, you've got to have skills. You've got to have skills. And I was thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking, you know what? He's right. He's right in so many areas, but he's specifically right when it comes to leadership, that if you're going to lead, you have to have skills. So I want to use as my template, Philippians chapter 4. Because in there, I believe the Apostle Paul unwraps for us some of the basic skills every leader has to integrate into their life so that they can lead effectively. So Philippians chapter 4, let's jump into it. The first skill is you have to have relationship skills. Those of you that are familiar with the chapter, you know, in verses two and three, Paul writes to two individuals and he says, I implore you. And both of these individuals he's imploring were leaders in this particular area of church. 
and he implores them that they would redefine their relationship skills between each other. It's obvious that they were struggling. It's obvious that their struggles were being multiplied. And as I tell people, the difference between people struggling with other people is that that's isolated. But when leaders struggle with other leaders, what happens is other people choose sides. And so he implores them. He says, I implore you. And he just really sort of gets in their face about developing their leadership skills. And so the first skill I think that we all have to wrap our arms around is no matter how talented, no matter how gifted, talent, the secular word, gifted, the spiritual word, no matter how long you've been in ministry, uh, your tenure in ministry or your tenure in leadership, uh, you have to be able to get along with other leaders because when you do not get along with other leaders, you literally throw an organization into a tailspin. And so he talks about relationship skills. And if you were going to sit down, I think one of the things you would have to ask is if you were to take your relationships, those very close to you, those in a circle around you and those distant from you, uh, how do you do with those? Are, are you all right? Can, can you relate to those that are very, very close to you without them feeling like there's constant friction? Can you relate to those that would be in that outer circle as far as um, maybe your organization? Uh, you don't deal with them day to day, but you deal with them. How would you relate to them? And then in that extended circle of maybe new people coming in and maybe even people exiting the orbit of the organization. Here's the thing. You have to be able to get along with people. Jesus sort of forced that model on us when he chose 12 people that were individuals that no one would put in the same room together, yet he did. And he just challenged them. He says, if you have a relationship with me, then that relationship with me should affect the relationships that you have with others. And if the relationship that you have with me isn't affecting the relationships you have with others, then it brings into question how genuine and legit is your relationship with him. And so he just sort of throws that at us. And so relational skills, the ability to get along with others. Uh, the second set of skills are emotional skills. In verse four, Paul says this, uh, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He, he was talking about what is going to be the foundation emotion in your life. And probably this is a little tender because we all know coming out of COVID, we've seen more mental anxiety and even mental stress and disease on levels that we've never seen before. But what Paul was saying is, is that there is to be a base emotion that all other emotions are derived from. And that is that you're able to manage your life based on a joy perspective. And we recognize that the world misrepresents what joy is. It makes it about what you have. God makes it about who you have. See, the world says that, that joy is based on if I have enough money, if I have enough possessions, if I have enough 
position, but God makes it based on having a strong relationship with him because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And I think all of us have to come back and say, what is our, our base? What is our base emotion that we operate from? What is our base emotion that we come back to? And there needs to be something that is sort of that anchor point in each one of us. If we're going to manage the day-to-day, it can't be from one level of depression to the next level. It has to be from an outlook of God is a good God. He is a great God. And I am going to manage in perspective of who God is in my life and what God can do in my life. I'm not going to manage based on how well my life is going. I'm going to manage my emotions based on how good my God is. Because all of us have bad seasons in life, but no matter how bad the season is, God is still God. And so we know that the goodness of our God is the basis on which we manage all of our emotions. We come back to him. We're always looking to him. And because we're always coming back to him, it changes our perspective. So I don't manage from uh, bad moment to bad moment. I manage from good God to bad moment, good God to good moment. So emotional skills, being able to manage just the day-to-day emotions of life. Number three, uh, discipline skills. And verse five, he says, let your moderation be known to all people. Let your moderation, he's talking about that skill of self-discipline, that a leader is able to lead themselves. We've talked about it in so many different formats. If you can't lead you, you have no right to lead anyone else. If you've got great ideas, but you can't lead you, keep your ideas to yourself. You've got to be able to lead you. And here's the thing about leading you. You have to be able to say no to yourself. You have to be able to say no to yourself when it comes to things everything everyone else is saying yes to. You've got to be able to say no. And when yourself wants to get excessive, you have to be able to dial it in and just say, hey, we're not going there. So a lot of people don't like anyone telling them no. But the most important person that will ever tell you no is you. And if you can't do that, then all you are is a gifted person who is going to cause above average problems in the lives of others. There's nothing worse than trying to follow an undisciplined leader. I've said it to you before. Discipline is the gift that a leader gives themselves. And when a leader gives discipline to themselves, it changes the playing field. Discipline is not an emotion you feel. Discipline is a decision that you make. You decide. These are the boundaries. These are the places. I will live within them. I will process within them. I will tell myself no to things everyone else gets to say yes to. Number four are prayer skills. And Paul talks about these, he says, in everything with prayer. And if you're going to lead I don't care if you live in lead in the corporate world or the secular world or the spiritual world. 
Here's the thing. You can't lead limited to your own resources. You're going to have to create a supply line of resource that is bigger than you. Wisdom that's bigger than you. Patience that's bigger than you. Vision and dream that's bigger than you. You've got to lead on the big side. And the only way you can do that is to be in constant connection to God. I was talking to a group of young people, and again, when I say young people, these were individuals in their 20. And I was being asked the question, how do we hear the voice of God? How do we distinguish God's will from our will? And I took out my cell phone, and I basically said this, how many of you think I will get a phone call if my cell phone is turned off. Well, nobody thinks that. You have to have your cell phone on to get a phone call. But here's the thing. If you don't have a prayer habit, then you're not turning on your phone to hear God. And that's like someone walking around every day with their cell phone off, then questioning why no one calls them. And if you're not praying, do not question why God's not speaking in your life. But on another thing is if you don't have your prayer life on, your cell phone on, and you don't leave it on, it puts you in a position if God wants to interrupt your day, you're not going to be able to hear it. But here's what I really think happens. People pray these quick prayers. God, I need your help right now. But the vast majority of their life is never leaning towards God. And what happens is if God even speaks, it shows up in their heart using the illustration of a cell phone. It shows up as... Uh, unknown number. See, a lot of people don't pray every day. And because they don't pray every day, when God speaks, it just comes across as an unknown number. So you've got to be able to keep your heart close to God. And I know that that's Christianity 101, but you never outgrow it. Keep your heart close to God. Talk to God every day. Pray every day. Have a prayer plan every day. The next set of skills are mental skills. And this is in verse 8, where Paul looks and he says, think on these things. Now, let me just inject this. You can control your thought life. Because you may not control everything that tries to get in, but you do control what stays in. And so he says, think on these things. And he begins to give this list and, and it's a series of filters. And he says, think this way. You've got to be developing mental skills to keep you focused on God, to keep you where you're able to be attentive to God. And so you don't allow your mind to just run haphazard. You have learned to take captive every thought. 
And because you've been able to take captive every thought, these thoughts begin to uh, develop over a period of time and it's easy for you to maintain focus. So you've got to develop the mental skills of just saying, hey, I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to be attentive to God. The next one is flexibility skills. You have to have some flex in you. It's interesting that when I went to um, New York City and the memorial of September 11th and the new tower that they created, you look at that thing and you get to the very top. And one of the things that you know is that you know that that building sways. That if it's too rigid, that building would not be able to handle the constant push of wind. And so it's literally created and designed. The higher you go up, the more that building will sway back and forth. Why? They know for it to last, there has to be flexibility. And that's what Paul talked about because he said, I've had to learn to be content in all things. I've had to learn to be content in all things. Now, let me make a distinction. When it comes to things, we have to be flexible and learn to be content. When it comes to growth, we're never content. We're always growing. So when it comes to our outside circumstances, we're content and flexible. When it comes to our interior relationship, we are aggressive and we are growing because the Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst. So understand when it comes to the spiritual, we're not content. When it comes to the natural, there are times when we need to be content. And so he says, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to abase when things weren't going real good and how to abound when things were going real good. He had developed flexibility skills. In fact, he says, I've learned to be content. What I can tell you is most of us don't naturally have it in. It is a learned skill. And so flexibility skills. The next skill he talks about is in verse 16, and it's gratitude skills. And he talks about the churches that had given in verse 16 to his necessity time and time again, and how grateful he was. Now, I have to be honest with you. I'm not good at celebrating. I tend to be the person, keep your head down, keep moving ahead. And so I'm going to move ahead every day, but sometimes I'm not going to stop and turn around and say, look where we've been. But God stopped me a year ago because I am the founding pastor of the church that I pastor. And November, we're going to celebrate 40 years of me being the founding pastor. So I've been in ministry for 45 years, but I've been the founding pastor of this church for 40 years. And God said, I want you to celebrate this moment. See, that wasn't natural to me. But what this celebration is going to involve is me saying thank you to a group of people that have been with me on this journey. And I've had to learn this. And really, the person who's helped me the most is one of my dearest friends, John Maxwell. And, and John is great at celebrating with people who've helped him. He is just magnificent at it. And I've watched him and I thought, man, I got to get better at this. And I have gotten better. But my best will be 
when I celebrate this 40th, not celebrating me, but the people who helped these 40 years happen. And so being thankful for what others have done, that is critical mass. That's critical mass. You've got to have gratitude. You have to understand none of us get where we are alone. And if we're anywhere meaningful, others have helped us. And we've got to be able to understand during our darkest days, there were people who were there for us and we have to focus. The next skill is faith skills. And in verse 19, he says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it was just the faith of believing that if you're taking a journey with God, that God's going to take care of you. And that even though you may be limited, God's not limited. And even though you may lack, God doesn't lack. And even though there's things that you will need to complete the journey and you don't have them, God will always supply them. And so he talks about those faith skills of just believing that God's going to be there for you. So again, these are just skills. They're skills that have lasted for 2,000 years. And they're the skills that all of us need. Relationship skills, emotional skills, discipline skills, prayer skills, mental skills, flexibility skills, gratitude skills, and faith skills. These are skills that help you to lead effectively. So can I say to you that the way I would manage this lesson, I would get out your computer or I would get out a pad of paper and I would write down these skills that I've given. I think I gave you eight of them. And I would just begin to put a one and a 10, 10 being the high, one being the low and saying, how am I doing on this skill? And then I would write beyond below the, uh, the number Okay, if I'm at a six, what do I need to do to improve this skill? See, information without application never creates transformation. And if all you do is get informed of eight skills, but you don't make application, there's not going to be transformation. And that in of itself, that last statement was gold for some of you. Hey, I want to remind you, October 4th, I'm telling you, if you get to this room, it's going to help you. It's going to change you. And then October 20th and 21st, there's no room that you will go to will have as many high capacity leaders as this. And when you're in a room with leaders who are all committed to grow, it will grow you exponentially. So you can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and sign up for these. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.